Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. On today's podcast is a man who is an engineer. He has also rapped on one of my songs, and I don't like the fact that he kind of got out on me on the song. <laughs> he's also a teacher, a father, and he's a part of a few different production groups. His name is Rod Wallace. Peace, brother. How you doing? What's up, man? You all right? Yes, sir, man. Life is good. Life is good. Another no beautiful day. It is, man. It's good to be here, bro. Oh, man, who you telling? Who you telling? Uh, out of all the situations I've come through and been through, uh, I think this is the best one that I prefer. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I've, I've, I've been in some some shitty situations. I've been in some good situations that were better than this, but uh, the temperament I had wasn't that good. So, you know, I, I prefer this. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, yes, sir. So, I forgot what was the name of the song that I did, and you uh you put a verse on. What was the name of that song? Uh, there's none. Competition is none. No, that was a that was a sample. I see uh, none, right? I see none. Yeah. 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 What made you choose that song to do a verse on? Well, I was I was I was mixing your album. Mm -hmm. and, um. The beat kind of struck me. Um, to me, so a lot of the work that I do involving music these days is stuff where I don't actually do the beat. I may do the beat or I may add to the beat. You know, I work with a group called the Dirty Old Men. Sir. Made up, comprised of producers and we do these compilations where I'm kind of diddyfying them to a point where I'm like, yeah, you know, Maybe we can do this. Maybe we can add this. Maybe we can add that to just kind of bring it all the way out. And every now and then, you know, you encounter something. So, um, yeah, I, I actually played that record a couple weeks ago. No, not even a couple weeks ago, a week ago. Um, and, yeah, it's every now and then something just really attaches itself or, or I attach myself to a song and I'm like, hey, you know what I'm saying? I can put this on there. I can not put it on there. Let me know if it doesn't work, so on and so forth. So at that time, I wasn't really rapping. Um, really? Okay. Heavy. Uh, you know, I did a lot of rhyming in the 2000s and, and kind of slowed up on everything for a while. And then probably since back to, you know, around 2019 or so, I started rhyming real heavy again. So, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. What made you step back from rhyming? I think... I was able to say everything that I needed to say at that at that point by making beats. Um, and so now it, it's funny how now I'm saying a lot of what I need to say by coordinating and facilitating projects being done. Because um, I don't have to say everything that I wanted to say. But, you know, still, um, you know, I, I, I think that when I really dug deep into beat making back in like, I, I was making beats beforehand, but I came back to it in 2012. And when I started making beats again, you know, all the technological advances and all that stuff just really had me intrigued. So I really, really learned deep about mixing and learned about this and learned about that and all that. And that kind of encapsulated my interest. And then over time, um, you know, rhyming is, rhyming is a spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I found that my experience was that was something that I felt needed to be brought to life in a number of different modalities, Um, beat making, uh, songwriting, um, plus this community engagement involving music that I really been knee deep in recently. Okay. Um, I will agree that the the writing process is a spiritual thing, but it's also uh, based on emotion and experience because you're trying to draw from somewhere while you're putting these words together to, to either make sense, to reach out and fill a void or to, to uh, put together something about your life to, to talk about your life. You're pulling from different places and, and it has to culminate in a way that that's, just not words, but it, but it's effective and it's and it's heartfelt in certain instances. A lot of times you could just be a lyrical, you could be a lyrical, miracle, spiritual guy, and no yeah. one, you know, it don't it don't really matter. You could just say a bunch of stuff like I I can do that all day. But when it when you actually start reaching down deep down into it, what who are you? Those are the songs that can kind of that changed just from a spiritual place, and it, it it's a culmination of everything. You know, I I think so, but I also believe that as artists, you had mm-hmm. an ability to be, you know, the thing that separates hip hop is that it's so connected to social conditions. Mm-hmm. It's so connected to the social conditions that built it and the identities that built it and the histories that built it, that it's hard to kind of step outside yourself and be another character. You know, I'm a veteran educator. Um, You know, I live in the suburbs. I got my kids. My kids go to white schools at this point um so on and so forth but when the mic is on i could be benny the butcher if i wanted to be i can i I could potentially have some repercussions to deal with you know from the people around me but that's (laughs) hip-hop you know what i'm saying in terms of people questioning things but um that's one of the reasons that you know i that's another reason why i felt production and focusing on production was a good thing because it allowed me to create stories and tell stories that weren't just specifically germane to my life or be a part of crafting these stories. So, you know, I, I, I not only, you know, have studied and, and, and learned about, um, you know, hip hop, but more so media arts in a general sense, you know, I like people like Christopher Nolan, you know, I like, um, you know, storytellers and, mm-hmm. and stuff of that nature, because there is a certain freedom that says, I, you know, I can tell this story. The story needs to be told. I'm going to tell it however I want to tell it. Um, So, yeah, I, I think I think that I think that what what gives rap its strength, it gives hip hop its strength is one of the things that's also limiting to it, Um, at, at least in a commercial sense. Um. Because I think truthfully, you can create whatever you want to create and be good to go. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, but and I think that the other part is, if you're comfortable with that, that's all that matters. Uh, if you're worried about the acceptance of it from uh, some industry plants and people telling you who you should be or what you should be, it's going to change the trajectory of what you, what it is you're trying to ju- do. But if you're uh, if you're just true to who you are, if you're an MF Doom or or account base D or or a DJ Pocket or something like that, you're just going to do the music that you prefer to do. And it it shouldn't it's not going to matter what people. 
And those those who fall in love with it or like it or become fans of it, that would just be your core group of people. And other people would just flock to it by happenstance or whatever. Mm-hmm. I what? think I think I think, you know, even I look at Electric Circus by Common, mm. you know, um, and Common kind of reinvented himself in a way along with his sound. Uh, each of those first maybe seven records. Um, and I, I always look at that, you know, how artists had that electric circus moment where they go in a direction that the people who were, where the, there are people who are trying to hold them accountable to stick into a certain space. Um, and artists have to evolve, you know, his, life was, his life was different than it was before he made the record before. And I think that's one of the reasons I like Kendrick so much, you know, and J Cole so much. And the JID record so much is because it is about it is about honoring your past, but it is also about being progressive and growing. And I think we need to have that ability as artists to truly be whole. Correct, because growth is a is the biggest part of the process, right? Like you're not going to be the same person all of your life. There are different things you're going to pull from Rod, from from Matthew, from from Agent Smith. There are different things that you're just going to pull from each person to help you get to different places in life. And it's kind of hard. I, I think it would be kind of weird or stagnant for a person to not grow, not just in life, but in the music as well, because your life is, is all is constantly changing. Album by album, you've been different places. You travel to different places. You've been around in studios and engineers with different people. So there should ultimately be some change. Yeah. And then you also, you know, music, music decorates time. So I run a program here. Um, I run a nonprofit called the Amplify Project that mobilize, identifies and mobilizes resources for musicians in marginalized communities. And one of the big programs that we have is called the Amplify Fellowship, where we go out and the community applies for this fellowship. And we essentially pay for the creation, recording, engineering, and marketing of an album for you in exchange for three hours of community service per month to a community agency or whatnot. So this is the third year we've done it. And what we found in the process is that every person who goes through this, they go through a significant amount of personal change as they're creating this album and we're watching it happen. Mm-hmm. And this album is created, this album is kind of stamping this time as a time of change. We've had a girl who ended up having a baby during this time. Wow somebody who graduated from college and was out trying to de- redefine herself as an adult. We had, uh, you know, somebody that was going through a career shift and kind of documenting that whole, and it's, it's not necessarily happening intentionally, but it kind of speaks to how it's very valuable to be able to capture real life and real emotions in people through the creation of music and how it kind of separates it from some of the other art forms because you know it's a it's a process creating yes. an album is a process yes and that's one thing that bothers me about the fact that there isn't a lot of emphasis on albums um like there used to be because we define people through albums in hip hop history correct or in, in what could be termed like the golden age of hip hop, we define people through the quality of their albums. And now it just doesn't operate like that. Albums don't have 
I don't want to say a, a commercial. Obviously, it doesn't fit into the commercial model. But at this point, from a critical standpoint, it's not even um, it's not really even focused upon like it should be. Yeah, there's no standard for creating a, a album of content that a body of work that that tells your story and, and, and your speaks on your world over the past year or two or however long however long it was to, for you to make your second album or your first album. So right, they've gotten away from that. Now it's about how many people can we grab off of YouTube, Spotify, and everything, and just grab them and make something make something hit real quick so we can make some money um, and get on to the next person, which how sucks. We, yeah, right. How can how can we play into the algorithmic elements yes. of how people are engaging with media to be able to do it? I mean, no disrespect, but people talk down on Sexy Red and this, that, and third, but it was a perfect storm. Mm -hmm. It's controversial. Mm-hmm. You know, when she came out and she said her booty hole was brown, you know, it 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 fit exactly what the algorithm desires. Like it's controversial, it's crazy. The beat sounded like everything else that was around at that time. It's a perfect, perfect situation. Yeah. Um, it's not my cup of tea. It's you definitely know, not my cup of tea. Um but I, but, but I, I I see it for what it is. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at all either. I think I am disappointed because this is the stuff that we they continue to market, but it's what they've been marketing. They haven't given, they don't go for anything else. And because we aren't in control of our, our culture and our medium of music, they're able to just take it and do what they want anyway. Uh, rock and roll, blues, jazz, all these yeah. different forms of art that we've created, they've taken them and they've, they've desecrated them and broke them down to whatever they feel should be done with it, especially hip hop, which was a social economic form of uh, of, uh, of art for us. It, it was representing our current situation and where we were and the things that were going on in our neighborhood. And now you look at it, you see where it is and you go, oh, OK. Well, you know what I think? Oh, I think that music has always black music has always captured the conscience of its people mm -hmm. throughout African-American history. Mm -hmm. So we took elements of what I guess could be be termed classical gospel or classical hymns and things of that nature. And we turned it into what we now know as gospel. Mm -hmm. We took jazz, we created jazz and the improvisational elements within jazz. And then even as it was being shifted and transmogrified by the market, and by white supremacy, we continue to evolve it. We continue to evolve it. We continue to evolve it. Blues, same thing, captured the social ills, spoken code, so on and so forth, rock and roll, all those things, they get they get impacted by the market. Yeah. Yeah. And then we just continue to 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 evolve them and things of that nature. Um and hip hop was the same way and still is, truthfully. Mm-hmm. In that people are continuously trying to evolve it. But the problem is now that it is not being governed by simple market demand. It's literally being governed by technology. And technology is driving habits. 
in creating it, you know? Um, and I fear, to be honest with you, I'm a, I'm a beat maker. I'll give you an example. I have the ability at this point, even when you take a Jay Dilla and a No ID and all the great producers, there was a limitation. We could sample any record, but there was a limitation in that if we wanted to sample a part from a record, we had to sample everything in that part. Correct. To make the beat out of it. And we could filter it. You know, we could filter all the high frequencies out and try to, you know, maybe get the voices out or something like that. But now you got stem sampling. Yes. You know, yes. where you can you can take the drums out of anything. Out of everything, man. Take, you can move you know, all of it around. Change the key of it, do everything. So but 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 what's what's heartening for me is we're gonna find a way to turn that into an art form. But we can't be lazy. We can't be lazy and we have to be diligent. Everything that we've been doing in hip hop and creating and evolving has either been successful in the market or it's been discarded. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can't, at this point, the market is not about selling records. It's about gathering attention. Okay. So, you know. Let's go back, go back. Let's walk it back. The program that you started, name it again. Say what it is. Say what it is. The Amplify Project. Okay. And, and what the fellowship program is called the Amplify Fellowship. All right. And what made you start that? So um just a little bit of my backstory. So um I've been an educator since like 2000. Okay. And I was always the teacher when I was teaching, I was the teacher that would like play music in the background while the kids was working and it would be just loud enough for them to be able to hear it. You know, I was DJing the dances for the kids and this, that, and the third and this, that, and the third. I had an opportunity at one point during my commute in my, in my career to help construct a music production program um, and did it and built it with along with a brother named Travis Bean, shout out to Travis Bean. Um, but I didn't really have the opportunity to completely involve myself in it simply because I had a young family and I was the assistant principal of the school. So you know what that life is like. Oh, yes, so, sir. Um, I had an opportunity to come to Eastern Michigan University and run one of the federal programs there. And in the process, I started working on my Ph.D. And what I wanted to study was how music production can be used to teach STEM concepts to students in K-12. Mm. Like how how do you catalyze hip hop and this 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 decolonization of music that's happening in front of us where anybody can make a beat, Grammy Award winning albums being recorded in people's bedrooms, so on and so forth. And how do you turn that? How do you make that where or how do how do you get get it where kids are making beats on a day to day basis and the skills that they're developing transfer into other career spaces? Right. So you ain't everybody ain't going to be Drake. But if you learn how the music is made then you could be better at uh, using user interfaces for design programs. Or Engineering or something like that. Yeah, You could develop your, your marketing skills or your project management skills or whatever. So started studying that, started to see how local hip hop communities are typically intertwined with community activism. Um, many people who participate in um, local hip hop communities in terms of a hip on a hip hop level as a practice. I'm not talking about 
you know, hip hop as a product. I'm talking about breakdancing, the five elements, this this deeper element of hip hop where it's, it's, it's engaging that fifth element of knowledge itself. These same people are engaging in levels of community activism to support the development and primarily in black communities. And they're typically getting older and older people. And they're typically people that are engaged in other service industries like social workers, like teachers, so on and so forth. So I said, well, what's the limitation in? Um, you know, what do what do these musicians or what do these individuals want? Because we need to start showing people how if you're interested in that level of artistry and that level of expression, there is a connection to the need for community service there. So I said, okay, I tell you what, these community agencies and 501c3s that's trying to do that's trying to do stuff in, in the community, they need volunteers. Not only do they need volunteers that grunt work volunteers, but they need people to almost serve as like ambassadors for what they do to these communities. Um, in a way, somebody who could be a champion in that community. So I said, well, why don't we do this? Music, I believe that every teacher is an MC. I believe that every music, like a music artist has the same skill sets as a great teacher in a way. We can talk about that in a few seconds. But why not provide the, the artists with what they need to be able to try to advance their career in the direction they want to and we provide that opportunity for them in exchange for them, instead of it being solely about profit, it being solely about, you know, us coming in and us ex extracting value from that artist, or even us as a company coming in and now we own the intellectual property of that artist. Right. Why don't we let them keep all that? And they pay, they pay it forward, excuse me. <clears throat> they pay what they're receiving forward in serving the community and going in and literally helping that helping that agency grow, develop, get its message out, so on and so forth. Dope because concept. We're, not, we're a nonprofit. You know Dope what I'm saying? Dope concept. So so we've had this is our third year. We've had eight acts. Um so as a result as a result, the acts they're endeared to the community. You know, they we have our own day at the Ann Arbor Summerfest where all of our acts are performed. They participate in all kinds of events and the community sees this happening. And also, you know, the, now these acts are paid musicians They're And we always want them to get paid for what they do. Mm -hmm. So what they're making, they're paid musicians working in the community, working community events, working at community events, doing music working at community events, organizing programs, teaching young people, so on and so forth, whatever they choose. So they're benefiting not only just from creating the music, but they're also benefiting from endearing themselves to the community in ways that's real unique and real special. So that program came about because my lens was opening up to say, you know, the currency involved in making music got to evolve because profiteering in it is what has it it's profiteering it profiteering in it is what has taken the reins off of our control culturally of the music period like gangster rap nw you go back to nwa yes people can we can sit up and we can argue and say 
you know, NWA was speaking the reality of the streets and this, that, and the third, this, that, and the third. And maybe they were initially. To a certain degree. But the but the 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 multitudes of people who came about afterwards doing the same thing saw NWA get rich. Right. And that's why they did. Right. And so there was like a cascade of negative things. I mean, I hate to say it, but there was a cascade of negative things involving hip hop that came about from the focus on profit instead of being able to tell that truth. You don't have to hate to say it. I mean, what we saw happen after that was uh, a gang of artists, one after the other, whether it was single performers or groups that came behind that, and everybody wanted to do something similar to that. Absolutely. And I think my research, in, in researching this on a deeper level, I've I've thought I've thought very deeply about how hip hop impacted my identity at that time. You know, I was you know a a black boy from post industrial America. Grew up in Flint, Michigan. You know, um, I had a deeply Christian mother. I had a, my pops worked in the plant. And I had the ability to make choices about my identities or what identities, what would impact my identities and drive my action in my formative years. And it was not only the church and this, that, and the third, but it was also, I was reading Message to the Black Man. I was reading From Niggas to Gods. I was reading all these things. And I made the decision that that, focus on knowledge itself was something that I was going to choose to be at the foundation of my actions and my thoughts. And so if you don't have a lot of different perspectives, then it's, you you know, you might make a different decision. So there are Stop. people who, there are people who live, you know, you live a lifestyle where you might be looking up to somebody that ain't living right. Um, and that kind of governs what kind of music you start to construct or it governs your lifestyle in a way. So music is deeply intertwined with our identity. Media is deeply intertwined with our our identities at this point. And so at the Amplify Project kind of is the culmination of that just in terms of the, the, the tying of music to the community because I think music and community and education all kind of work in this little nexus together. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it's the culmination of me just believing that you can use music to change people or not, not that we can use music to look deeper at ourselves. To change people as well. Right. You got and a lot of guys. Collectively. Yeah. You got a lot of people running around here talking about their gangsters and they're not. You got a lot of kids that want to be gangsters and they're not just because of the, the, the beat sounds, sounds great. And the artist sounds cool, but you know, it's a facade at the same time. Now growing up, in a church home or with a mother who who was uh entrenched in church while you were going to church were there any instruments that you played i played drums i played drums i didn't play drums at church but i played drums at school and i got involved in like music tech real early even if mm -hmm. it was pause taping you know i had a sampler keyboard when i was like nine ten so um and then I, as I got older, I played keys a little bit. Um, and now I can play keys just enough to be a producer. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Thank, thank the Lord for MIDI. Thank the Lord for Scalar. 
mm-hmm. thank the Lord for some of them other things, but it definitely makes a difference for when you had that musical sense. So yeah, it Absolutely. was mostly just drums for me. Just drums? Okay. I did drums and guitar. Uh, I, it wasn't something I wanted to do. My whole thing was to do art. I wanted to do illustration and graphic design, but my mother kept pushing me in that direction. So I would fiddle around with the guitar and play drums uh, for certain things, but it wasn't something that I really wanted to do. But I knew the correlation of that to into doing hip hop and being able to count, uh, being yep. able to count beats and everything like that, and being able to come in and knowing the pocket when to get into the pocket and getting out the pocket and everything. Uh, yep. It was just one of those things that kind of just stuck with me. So when I do it as a trick, everybody doesn't understand what it is, but it's just me playing around with it, you know, and <clears throat> forgetting sometimes that I'm playing around and I need to just just stay in the pocket. But right, uh, right. it was just one of those things that I did. So for you, did you jump into beat making or, or producing first or was it, did you want to rap first? I was rhyming first and I was always a reader, um, even even just for pleasure when I was in middle school and up. But like I said, I was into a lot of those texts. Um, I, I, I got deeper into black history along with a couple of my friends and, and it was because of hip hop. You know, it was Lakem Shabazz and it mm. was, X Clan and it was Ice Cube and Chuck D. You know, I didn't really know who Farrakhan was until, you know, what I'm saying Chuck D and all of them was talking about it. And so I was very linguistically intelligent, so to speak. So writing songs was a natural progression. Writing songs through college, writing albums in college, then becoming a teacher. And still holding on to writing songs, but I did pick up a Yamaha motif that's still in the back. I know you can't see it. A Yamaha motif back in 2001. Mm-hmm. And up with my man, Mike Notes from, and we started something called Double Negative. And that's when we started really producing for a collective of artists. Um, and then, like I said, I, I got serious about school leadership because I was really adept at making connections with the kids. Um, and I understood school administration very well. I said, well, if this is going to feed my family, I'm about to, I'm about to put my creative energies in this. And I did that for about five years. And by that time I got married and my wife actually purchased me my first machine. Uh, I got a machine micro and started making beats again. And I was hooked. Um, shouts out to Tashira say rest in peace. Um, he had a program called Computer Music Academy, mm. uh, where I also met uh, Brother Agent Smith, um, 78 from Chicago, your buddy. That's how I met him, where he had, this guy had us making beats on a week-to-week basis and competing against each other. Yes. And it was all friendly, but um, I learned so much from making those beats about myself, not only about making beats, but about myself and about the power of persistence and the power of the iterative process to the point where um, I started to think to myself, this is when I was kind of going into this, uh, you know, building this music production program. Like, you know, I'm really getting better by doing this on a week to week to week to week to week basis. And so then, yeah, then it came down to beat making. I really dove deep into recording and engineering because there was a lot of cats making beats, bro. There's a, yeah. a lot of cats rhyming. There was a lot of cats making beats. Yeah. I said, well, then I'll just use them as my clientele. And I'll mix. I'll learn how to mix. 
Yeah. I'll learn how to master and I'll be super cheap because I'm learning from y'all and yeah. I'm learning from y'all projects. Yeah. If I was to mix your projects right now, it would sound way different from what we it did sound before. Completely different. <laughs> early on. And that's no disrespect. It would sound completely different. Um, you know, and and but I think that's how you learn. Yeah. So now I'm at a point where, yeah, I can do commercial audio. I can do podcast editing. Yeah, mm -hmm. I can do mastering. I can do Atmos. I could do, you know, uh Apple certified stuff. I can do I could do anything because I hear it differently. I hear yeah. everything differently. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind I of I think that's I um I, am. I think that's one of the, the greatest things about music in general. Uh you don't always have to end up being an artist. It's it's what you choose to do, what you want to do that that you find that you find a love for. You may actually end up playing the guitar. Mm -hmm. You may actually be in a be, you may actually end up being a great backup singer. You yes. may actually end up being a great writer for for someone or yes. a producer. There's so many different fields that you can jump off to into music yes. that you can still come back to the love that that you originally had, but you can switch it up. You know, yes. absolutely. I I mean, I tell I tell the kids that all the time. I still work with a lot of kids and a lot of young people. We have programs that support young hip-hop makers and stuff like that and i tell them all the time it's you know it's one drake but it's one drake who has a team of probably 40 people and each of them are digging into work with vendors yeah in a bunch of different industries to support whatever it is drake is doing and so you can be in that mix and get paid and not have to be famous yeah you know yeah, you could be in a great background like a lot of these guys have been for a very long time. Absolutely. Just and see, yes, and I'm 46. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm not watching uh, Tay Keith. You know, I am to a degree, but I'm watching Chris Athens, mm -hmm. who is a mastering engineer. I'm watching Mixed by Ali. I'm watching, I'm watching people that's still sitting at the crib tinkering and making these records what they are. And, and 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 still, you know, making Ramon Jawadi and guys like that, yeah, composers making, and stuff. Right. Not only making money, but also still deeply, deeply, deeply involved in our Hans Zimmer. Mm -hmm. You know, Hans Zimmer is not professionally. I think I, I read that he's not professionally trained. You know, he just knows what he wants to hear and yeah. he knows how to make it happen. And he can score it well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. so, so let's go back, man. Cause you mentioned my guy, you know, and when he passes me a beat or I go digging through his garbage can of beats, um, I find some stuff that lets me get off and act a damn fool. The relationship mm -hmm. you built, uh, with agent Smith, how did that come about? Cause you mentioned the brother's name who died. May he rest in peace. My condolences to his family and everything. No doubt. How did that, how did that uh, culminate? So, AS joined Computer Music Academy after I had already been in it. And what I noticed when listening to his beats was how full his beats were, mm. how melodic they were, how they were jazz. They were jazzy, um, but they were very melodic. Everything was in key. Everything was, but it still had the flaw, the flawedness in a way. It wasn't, 
it, it, it still was flawed like like hip hop is. You know what I'm saying? With the record, with the record uh, you know, the record fuzz in it and and the radio static and this, that, and the third, and the grittiness and all that. So I think the first time him and I worked together, one of the challenges in the program was you had to connect with somebody else in the program and y'all had to collaborate on making a beat. Okay. And so he worked on a beat and I said, you know, what would be cool is like capturing, it was dead of winter, like dead of winter, right? This was right around Christmas break. And I said, it'd be cool to capture how when it snows in Chicago today, it will snow in Detroit tomorrow. Okay. Um, it's like a five or it's like a five to seven hour time lapse. And so he sent me a beat and man, we made it like a, it was like a snowstorm. It was like, it was like a snowstorm on a song. There was no sound effects. We had a sound effect in the beginning actually of you know, uh, like a weather report saying, you know, it's expected to be snow in Chicago and around, you know, Lake Effect, this, that, and the third, and blah, 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 and all that. And then the song plays, and it's like deep instrumentation that can kind of, that shows how the storm starts one way and it gets real serious and then it calms down. And by the end of the song, it's the weather report in Detroit. Oh, wow. Like, you know, um, now this storm system is moving on into Canada, this, that, and the third, because that's how kind of how I go. So saying all that to say, AS has always given me a lot of flexibility as a conductor with his instruments. Mm -hmm. He's all that's kind of how a lot of us work together, is that we, you know, he did he he does the same thing with JB Swift from the D. For their triple to trouble projects, double trouble projects, and stuff like that, where we kind of had the ability to mold and manipulate things, and we all bring our own thing to the table. And he's been able to, he's given me that 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 flexibility. And I'm forever grateful because he's so inspiring, he's so inspirational to me musically. And he gets it in, man. He does. He does. He's so inspirational to me. He speaks through his music. He's a very refined brother, like a, a reserve brother. Very. You know? But um, from a creative standpoint, you know, I put him against anybody. Anybody. Thank you for saying that. Anybody. Thank you for saying that. And Production. yes, yes. Because you know. the dude, I'll say it again for people who think I'm bullshitting. He throws away beats, and those yep. are the beats that I sometimes, or a good yep. percentage of the time, those are the beats that I end up using on projects, are the ones that he throws away and he is disgusted with, he don't like, or whatever it is. He, we call him we call him Lou Holtz. You know who Lou Holtz was when he was the coach of Indiana? And he'd be like, oh, he had like the number one team in the country, and he'd be like, They're terrible. oh, you know, we, that team, they probably going to kick our butt. They just... You know, we he will always under like underplay his team. Yeah. He, he just so humble. Yeah. He would never take credit. You'd be like, man, that's crazy dope. He'd be like, man, you know, it's all but I I ended up having some of that same attitude from him too. Uh it started to rub off. And I didn't know what it was, but I realized what it was is it was I'm trying to make myself better for the next time. 
And in order for me to get better for the next time, I can't be happy with what I just did because this is just for now. For now is oh. is cool, but yes, it, it, it's a fleeting it's a fleeting moment. It won't be here for for long. Someone else could be making something the, the next time out. So it always made me want to rhyme better and and, and do diff, do a lot of different things as far as uh putting putting my rhymes together or tinkering, telling him what I'm hearing on a beat and tinkering around with the beat and everything. You you know how powerful that is to acknowledge the fact that you are never a finished product. Mm-mm. And 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 you could come out today and spit the craziest verse of all time and know that it'd be greater later. You know, that's that's an amazing thing to acknowledge and to accept. Yeah. Um, and that's but, what makes what we do so beautiful. And, and I had it already, but being around him, it was like, oh, okay, I'm cool. So it's okay for me to rhyme because I'll, I'll do some shit and I'll, I'll think it's cool. And he'll be like, that's all right. And I'm like, what? he go, that's all right. And he'll go, oh, I done heard you do shit way better. And he'll say some shit like, I done heard you sing on songs way better than that. Like, let me know when you're ready to record the real shit. So, like, all right. Yep. And it's 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 not a high pitch. It's not to be competitive. It's a very monotone way that he says things. He's like, just get it done. Yep. Yep. But one of the yeah. illest, and like you said, as far as beat making or production, I'll put him up with anybody. I would too. I would too. I, I would. Because he will surprise you. I would do a record. I mean, you know, in all humility, because I don't really do records to like I'm not I'm not even really comfortable putting a record together. Oh, and then going out and being like, hey, come buy my record. Come this. Mm-hmm. Come. I want you to I, I would prefer that because I'm not hurting for the money. I just would prefer if you want to just come and you want to discover it and you want to learn about who I am and this, that and the third. Yeah. I use my records for class like I teach. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I use my records for classes about culturally relevant pedagogy. Cause I talk a lot about being a teacher who was influenced by hip hop. So somebody would look at my Spotify numbers and be like, this guy is nothing. This guy is, I probably got 10 monthly listeners right now, if that, but. Thanks for me. I would do a record with AS. I would do a complete record with AS where AS is, AS do all the beats and you know, I and it's not a lot of people that's close to me that I feel like I can do that with. Mm-hmm. But I know that I have to be in a certain place to match up with where he is. Because mm-hmm. you know, he's so smooth. Mm-hmm. It's it's I that that's I have to be prepared to go into that space and do that. So yeah, man. He one of them people that I I I you know, Lord's will, I always have him somewhere close to me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Me too. Because, Me too. You know, he's, spe- he's special. No doubt. Yeah, and one, I'll mention this too. Uh, uh, sometime I just pick his brain on different things just to see how he, you know, how he feels about certain things. Hey, are you are you making beats? No, I got to take a time out. I'm, I'm exhausted or whatever. And then when he is in the mood, hey, what you think of this? Or hey, what you think about about this? Hey, I went over here and recorded this. What you think of all this? And he'll go. He's like, it's it's cool. He's like. And he'll tell me like usually everything that you do is is cool or is good, but you can do you can always do something better than what you just did, you know. Absolutely. And and 
to for him the way that he says it is always very very chill very reserved and it's never to to punch you in the face about what he's saying it's just to say that there's always better to be done you know? and and i i love the dude for that i i respect him for that but the one thing i don't like is having to dig to that man's trash can for beats because it be gems in there man and when i see him working consistently you know, he might do his weekly post, post a beat, this, that, and a third, blah, blah, blah. You know, Agent Smith and I came up in a culture in the mid-20-teens that was, we celebrated each other. So so let me back up. So Computer Music Academy was a group of guys from all over the world who was making beats and stuff like that. Um, and Tashir kind of slowed up on CMA, but we stayed in contact. But one of the things that he also did was he linked us with um, Gadget from Scratch Magazine TV who had done a bunch of hip-hop based content on YouTube you know from DMV with like Kev Brown and stuff like that we started okay. to do a monthly hangout I mean a weekly hangout every Friday night where we used to make beats and talk shit and laugh and we became friends we all became friends so it was so it was it was all love. It was never volatile, but there was an undercurrent of cre of of creative com competition in those groups. We had you know Black Mav from DMV, AS Jelani Beats from Chicago. You had RTO Beats from Oakland. You had me from the D. Salute to RTO and Jelani. You had Wide Body from Jersey. You had uh, Big Stacks from. Philly, you had Mental to God from DMV, you had CX the producer from I mean these guys are, these guys to me I literally try to be like them mm. be wise um, OG and we was you know we the dirty old man, we, yeah. we like old rusty ass hip hop shit, dirty samples and all that, that's what we do but I'm saying it was Man, it was so much music that was coming out. Bandcamp, instrumental albums, and yes, sir. Start for producing for each other, and this, that, and the third. That, I mean, we still continue to work to this day, and I think that is, I think that it's a blessing. I yeah. think that it's a blessing. So having people, Agent Smith was like the snake eyes in the crew. Like mm -hmm, he didn't mm -hmm. say a lot, but you know what I'm saying. He was throwing ninja stars, throwing darts at you every time. Yes. Every time, man, he did. Uh, I didn't even know Peppy. I didn't even know. I don't know what to call the actual beat, but we did a song called Peppy Le Pew. Mm -hmm. I don't even remember hearing that beat ever. And six popped up, and he was like, "Yo, oh, put a verse on this song." He's like, "You gonna you gonna go crazy when you hear it." I said, "What is it?" He said, "Just he's like, I'm gonna drop. I'm gonna throw it in the Dropbox. If you at home, put a verse on it." And I hear it and I'm listening to it and I'm like, I know that ain't six. I know that ain't six production. So I, I sent him, a, I sent uh, AS a, a message like, yo, you just did this song that he in here working on called Pepe Le Pew. He's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like, why didn't you never put that in the Dropbox? Oh, I didn't think you would like, like it. It's like, man. Like this dude about to get out on me now, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like six about to rock. He's about to rock the fuck out. So when I, I'm listening to it, I'm like, the verse is there, the, the the beat is there, 
and the hook is in. I was like, okay, I'm gonna take the subtle approach on this one because six done killed it and you got the and you got the beat and everything. But his ability to switch it up and do different things, man, is it's always refreshing and it always lets you know you got you gotta keep working. Yeah, gotta keep working. Yep, that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. Uh really good dude, man. Solid dude. Salute to my guy, my brother. My, uh, producer, beat maker, and all that shit. Agent Smith Seven Eight, man, one of the one of the guys who, if any, if they tell me anything about production, I'll put him up there with anybody. He, y'all may everybody in the world may not know him, but but trust me, he got he got some shit for everybody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. He made he made me a better producer, bro. Man, he made man. me better. And again, he don't. He don't push it on you. He don't force it on you. He just talk to you. Yo, you need to do this right here. And then he'll man a few words and he'll move on. Absolutely. So, so zero noise. What's, what's, what's zero, zero noise? So zero noise is zero noise media. Um, so using all of these different skill sets and stuff that I developed, you know, I created zero noise as a um, kind of like a platform where I would do all of my production work. Um, and that's not just audio production, but. I'm moving towards doing more documentary type mm. level produ- uh, production and writing. Um, my, you know, I should, and by the time this airs in a couple of weeks, I'm going to defend my dissertation. Um, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. So my dissertation is about black men who are teachers, but they're also music artists. So being able to really tell those kind of stories um, on a deeper level, um, is what Zero Noise is about. The reason it's called Zero Noise is because when we were in, when I first started teaching, we had a hand signal to tell our kids to stop talking, right? Mm. And it was, we used to say zero noise instead of like stop talking or be quiet or whatever. It was how we were trained. And it's just so odd to me how that's flipped um, in that I have um, students who are brilliant business people, brilliant artists, you know, people who I do business with pretty regularly and how much I learn from them and how I, how much I learn now from them. Um, and so that's why I call it zero noise. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the media imprint that I'm looking to, to kind of really put into full play in 2024, um, for all the production stuff I do, all of the, all of the ventures that I do that kind of tie that music education and community together, because I'm not going to leave that behind. That's kind of my route and that's kind of my platform. Um, and I think there's a real commitment from me and a lot of the people that are around me to make, to tell these stories in an artful way. Um, and in a way that's very real. So that's kind of what zero noise is. Okay. Uh, are there any artists that you're working with uh, currently that we should be on the lookout for? Oh, oh man. So Dirty Old Man got an album coming out pretty soon. Okay. Um, And I executive produced that one. I've executive produced all of the Dirty Old Man projects. Um, Also, the teachers that I worked with are working on a project together. Hopefully, we'll have that out by springtime. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, And it's all... Black men who are teachers, producers, poets, all that kind of stuff to kind of tell that story. That'll be probably hopefully quarter one. Um, also, I work with a couple of young guys. We have a program 
in Ann Arbor called Formula 734, where we get to work with um, young men. Uh, it was co-sponsored by the prosecutor's department. So uh, we had some diversion elements that were involved, some circular discussions, some career engagement for them. And we used to have these deep conversations and then we turn them loose in the studio to make music. So mm. not only them as a group um, and the compilation of music they created in that way, but also some individuals in that who are extremely, extremely talented. Uh, I'm working with them uh, on an individual level and as a collective. Um, so there's that. Um, those are the biggest things. And then at, at some point, I'm probably going to do another album. Um, I want to get these other things out of the way first, but um, I, I've been able to connect and engage with a band. Uh, okay. Which kind of took the records that I was making with the Dirty Old Men um, and J.B. Swift in particular, who's a part of the band. He's DJ J.B. Swift. Um, and just able to take them into another stratosphere and, and give them, give, gave me a freedom and a euphoria that I have never experienced in my life. Oh wow. Okay. I play with a band. And I've been around music for 25, 30 years and playing with a band was just the the joy of my life created creatively. So at some point I'm gonna get back on that. Hopefully it's a know. different experience playing with those bands, man. Yes. Absolutely. The way that music comes together, bro. Mm -hmm. And then the Amplify Fellows as well. They all got albums coming out this fall. Kyle Love, um, aka Chill Place, um, Gwyneth Hayes, who's a jazz artist, um, and then Batty Brooks, who's a pop artist. Uh, her project will be out in a couple of weeks. So okay. people look out for that. All right. And at some point, man, man, you're gonna have to uh test some shit up too. So interestingly enough, we're working on this dirty old man project. And what those projects end up doing is they end up being kind of like a collaboration between us and everybody who's kind of around us. Mm -hmm. So I would love to send you a joint with an open verse and you can tell me what you think, or you can jump on board with something. Do it. You know, that'll work. Do it. Okay. I don't shy away from nothing like that when it comes to rhyming, getting on songs. Smitty, Smitty will tell you that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So where can people find all of your music or or get a hold of you? There it is. There's a link right there. Bang, yeah, bang. A link tree that'll show you not only my music stuff, but also the stuff that I've been doing on a scholarly level um, regarding hip hop and critical hip hop pedagogy. Um, my Instagram is where is Wallace. Um, you know, and I'm I'm pretty diligent about updating it, but it's not all just music stuff. Um, you know, because I think that uh, I I don't know. I I think that's the best place to go. Hit me up. Let me know. Um, I also mix, master, all that kind of stuff at severely discounted rates, and it's still industry grade. So, uh, you know, I'm all about just connecting and collaborating with people. So, hit me up. I didn't ask you this question. Mm -hmm. Top 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 five time? producers all time. Top five producers of all time. Top five producers of all time. Okay, in order. No, I ain't. I don't ever do no order. I just want. To, I just want you to throw the five out there. Okay, top five producers of all time. First, I'm gonna say the Bomb Squad. 
because they taught me and I'm I'm talking about what they taught me. Okay. Bomb Squad for me brought the vastness, the vast universe of media at large into production. So their albums were these collages of news and spoken word and music and breakbeats and all that stuff. So Bomb Squad, number one. Number two, Jay Dilla. Jay mm. Dilla was operating at a different, he had a different metric and signature than what was popular at that time. Yes. Something that he created an entire genre of music that was kind of in between hip hop and soul. It mm. was it was talk about it. Different. Talk about it. Number three. Number three. Number three for me is I'ma say Dr. Dre. And I'ma say Dr. Dre because really I'ma kind of put Dre and Diddy slash because I mean they, you know, their 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 technical acumen can be argued, but the importance of the ear and the importance of being able to produce, being able to tell somebody producing is telling somebody, I want you to do a, B and C mm-hmm. and I'm going to sit here with you until it sounds like what's in my head. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say them together. Um, when I think of hip hop beat making and production, I think about DJ premier. No, oh, thank God. I think about DJ Premier. Okay. I think about DJ Premier in terms of how he chopped, in terms of adding the element of scratching his drums. Sometimes they mad stiff, you know what I'm saying? Um, And then I also don't think that you can take anything away from the group. Well, Well, this may be controversial. Let's get it. I mean, there's there's a billion producers that we can recognize, and I, I top top five to me. One of the, one of the producers is Black Math. R.I.P. Rest in peace. Okay. DMV because he was he was like the drunken master of producers to me. Like nothing was. I'm you know I'm 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 in a midi I'm in a midi world, and everything is in a grid, and his stuff used to be so sloppy, mm. but it used to be so funky. You know, God rest his soul. It impacted me to say, stop trying to put these limitations on yourself and just do what you want to do and don't worry about all these other things. So I would say he's my top, my, 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 my other five, but I would also say, uh, Digiphonics, the people who I think Kendrick Lamar and the people who he works with. Because Kendrick Lamar is making those records, man. There's guys that's making the beats, Soundwave, DJ Dahi, and all of them. But in terms of seeing the entire field, I think that's Kendrick Lamar himself um, that is doing it. And again, I, I have a different pro- – beat makers are beat makers, but producers are something different. Something different. Something different, man. You know, so that's what I would say. So I say – Premier, Dilla, Bomb Squad, Dre and Diddy as mm-hmm. as 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 organizers, and then probably Black Man. Okay. Rest in peace. A guy I want to ask you about real quickly. Where okay. where where would you put Black Milk? 
Would that be top 10, top 20? Black Milk to me is definitely in my top 10 because of, and I'll tell you why. Black Milk was a child, from my perspective, Black Milk was a child of Dilla's production in a way. But yeah, it was very distinct. I never would confuse them, especially early in his career. Mm -mm. Um, I mean, his drums always used to slap. Yes. Um, But I watched him evolve, you know, with the band. And then kind of putting... You know, if there's a hell below was him, in my opinion, kind of putting those two worlds so perfectly together. And he's continued to evolve. And he's to me, I think he's a better MC than people give him credit for being. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. he's definitely in my top 10 and probably in my top five of people who make beats and rhyme on their own project. Okay. Absolutely. But I, I love that, man. I, I, I extract shit from everybody, homie. I, I no ID. I, I'm not saying you don't. No ID what he did on 444. Mm. Uh uh Sir Jinx, what he did with Ice Cube back in the day. I learned I, it's like baseball, like watching baseball, man. Everybody, everybody come to the plate, they got their own batting stance. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, I look at producers the same way. I have a hard time saying, oh, top five this, top five that, because everybody got value. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just wanted to hear what your list would sound like. You know, it's it's one of my one of my uh hip hop questions that I like to ask uh ask people. You know, it's one of my staples. No With that said, we're gonna end it here, man. Uh to get today, my guest was Rod Wallace. You can find him on Instagram, Twitter at Where Is Wallace. You can also find him on Linktree slash rod wallace and with that said remember the mission statement when we striving for greatness god never puts you in the driver's seat if it's taken appreciate you my brother no doubt great to be